listen, we'll get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fourth and Go. As always, we enjoy anytime you choose to fellowship with us and jump in on our calls. Uh, tonight, we definitely have something unique lined up, and we're going to circle back to something we did about a month and a half, maybe two months ago. But we want to remind you that, you know, we are accessible on sportsandgoldministries.com. You know, you can go to our website and uh, look a little bit about what we do. You can find our podcast on there. And you also can, can email us at fourthandgoldministries at gmail.com. It's fourthandgoldministries.org is the website. Excuse me. Um, and you can always leave prayer requests or any questions that you may have. Um, and we'll feel free to respond back or even answer them on our next devotion uh, call. So tonight we are going to have a couple questions. And so what we did last time is we had some questions for the group, kind of some some things that we hear a lot as Christians and things that we we jostle between. And so what we wanted to do tonight is kind of throw some questions to the group and kind of get some responses and and kind of see where we all land and honestly just trying to help each other and then we'll circle back and see what the bible says as it pertains to whatever the questions may be i know t has a couple questions uh mel has has a few and um and we may have a couple more that we we jump in with so um so to start off uh i'm gonna open this up in prayer and and then i'm gonna turn it over and we'll let I'm going to let you jump in with the first question. All right. Yes, sir. Good with that? Yeah. You don't join three times on here, T. All right, let's buy here. Father God, we thank you again for the opportunity just to fellowship with like believers. God, we thank you for everyone who decided to be on the call tonight. Lord, we thank you for the people who are, are listening in the future day. God, we just thank you that you are in the midst and we're two or three are gathered. God, so what we want to do tonight, guys, is just allow you to, to reign and be evident. And we want to just share the gospel in a different way tonight god so thank you for allowing us to just to have the freedom to be able to share your word god so we thank you we look forward to just what you're going to do for us tonight these things we ask your son jesus name amen amen Amen. all right so listen t what do you have for us what's your first question brother okay absolutely you guys want me to kick it off i will do that all right well there you go was it Tia or was it Tia, Petey? I can... Uh, no, nah, so, Mel, go for it, brother. No, nah, go ahead, okay. man. Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. So the question that I have, um, so the T, he asked me to come up with a question. I came up with two. And one of the questions that I have, I think Christians have always maybe struggled with this or been in a situation where they've had to deal with this question. And the question that I have is, how do you interact with non-believers when they propose the question or questioning questions, um, basically questioning Jesus' existence um, here on earth and his resurrection? How do you deal with that as a Christian? Because that's most of the time, that's the foundation of their questions, right? Mm-hmm. And they really can't get past that. And they look at it like Jesus is some fairy tale to them. And they always have all these rebuttals. So that's my question. First question to you guys as Christians, and I'll open it up the floor 
is how do you deal with that particular question when it's proposed from non-believers? Mm -hmm. Good question. Very good question. Very good question. Anyone feel free to chime in. I, I certainly have some thoughts. Nobody yet. I will. Uh, so I'll, I'll open it up and let everybody jump in. So I think that there, there are two things I think about Petey when I hear that question. And it, it, it kind of depends on their motive. So you're like in this scenario, I know that you're just doing a, a scenario here so is this like they're there so you're 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 sharing the gospel this person is just coming at you with jesus is not real and you know the bible is this and the bible is that or are you sharing the gospel and they're telling you that hey i don't believe in that because of what what yeah. kind of i i don't think it's scenario based per se i'm just coming at from the aspect of just how do you deal with it in general because this is one of the first questions as a christian that you're going to be um you know it's going to be proposed mm -hmm. to you and that way where you're really going to be asked to show that you know the bible and show that you have a strong understanding that that jesus was here on earth and a strong understanding of his resurrection and if you don't do that people that are almost that are i like to call them too smart for their own good they usually dismiss you like mm -hmm. oh, I see what i'm saying man i told you you know that's the first thing they do they dismiss you if you feel like if they feel like you don't have a strong understanding of your belief system mm -hmm. right I, th I think a lot of times you know the bible says you know one of my go-to scriptures is uh second timothy 2 15 uh and study to show that self-approval i think in this scenario the same thing when you're looking at someone if, if you're if you have a major in college and someone is questioning you know the validity of, of of what you know as it pertains to your major the more you know the more you're able to back up the things that you believe or the things that you've learned and again so we would use scripture that we have uh to back up our findings and 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 just testifying as to who he is and what he's done for us and wow. you know that's a challenging thing for us i think as christians is to 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 be able to confidently defend the word of God, because if we're passionate about it and we believe wholeheartedly in the Bible, that can pull on you when someone is contradicting the things you believe. And oftentimes they're doing it to get a rise or they're doing it and, and that will inflict some kind of emotion on you. And then we lose our disposition, you know, when we're responding to someone who, you know, doesn't believe or uh, atheist or whatever the case is um so my response um is just sharing my faith and, and my belief and my experience you know with who with what who christ is um and, and that's and that's going to be something that we pray that in that scenario he gives us that peace right to have a conversation with someone and and whether we get to them or we do not get to them you know at least we we have that conversation and we can stand firm into who we are um but i think the knowledge that you have can help you in that conversation you know but um definitely don't turn into an argument fest right yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, does anybody else have any commentary here? Go ahead, T. No, I know Jolly jumped on, man. Jolly, you, um, we're doing, I think you might have been on last time we had some questions, man. So we, we're doing another night of posing some questions. The first question that Mel had asked, just so you can catch you up, brother, is, you know, how are we responding to someone who is, um, whether we're sharing our faith, I'm not sure exactly how you ask that mail, um, but, you know, if we're having a conversation with a non-Christian and they're, you know, they're questioning the who Jesus is or they don't believe in Jesus or, or you know, in the Bible, um, they're, how they're are we approaching that conversation? Jesus's um, existence. How do you respond to yeah. non-Christians mm-hmm. when the first thing they answer, because their question is, you know, how do we know that he lived? How do you know that he was there? You know, well, you said he died on the cross. Show me, prove it to me, right? They look at him right. as like Oof. something mythology than something real, right? So mm-hmm. how do you yeah. deal with that as a Christian? What's your rebuttal to that? That's where I'm going here. Yeah, man, that's such a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you so, know, guys, you, you have to believe in something. You know what I mean? And we all know that everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So, you know, I might can't <laughs> see him, but I can feel him down in my soul. I can feel him in my hands. I can feel him in my feet. I can feel him all over me. So what I'm saying is that <laughs> you, you, if, if, if you taste the orange, you only know whether or not it's bitter or sweet if you taste it. And and I could just simply uh-huh. respond with, you know, I tried him and I found him to be true. Now, you know, like we, we, we act off emotion when people want to be argumental with us. Yeah. But, you know, when people see us as Christians, they, they're supposed to see peace. They're supposed to see understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, they're supposed to see knowledge and wisdom and confidence and faith. And, you know, that's why the Bible says preach the word in season and out of season. So you have to be strong mm-hmm. in what you believe in. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was playing basketball yesterday at the Y after this little camp and some guys got on the court and they started trash talking. Right. And they started trying to make me feel like, you know, um, as some of the younger kids that I was training, that they were not good enough. But see, that's a psyche thing. And like Brent just said earlier, sometimes people do it to get a rise out of you. Sometimes mm-hmm. people do it to challenge your knowledge. But you just got to stand to be true. Now, I mean, and hold to what the word says. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you believe in it and it's something that you truly in your heart earnestly believe in, then you know how to rightly divide it. And you and if you don't, mm-hmm. you gotta learn how to rightly divide yeah. it. So you can just you, you can explain it to somebody with some understanding, you know. So basically, man, I might can't see Jesus, but the Bible says we shall behold him. All right, but we can feel him though. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Yes, sir. Just like you, just like you the, the world, they feel like going to steal something. It's like folks feel like going to get drunk. You know, there's no greater place mm-hmm. than to be in the arms of Jesus. There's no greater mm-hmm. place than be in the, in the presence of, uh, of people who worship and and, and, and revel, revelate God, you know. So you just, it's a yes, feeling, sir. man. It's a, it's a feeling thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what you explain to them, you know, because everybody got their stories about um, Jesus and whether or not he's exists or not. But that's just something that you got to believe in. You got to feel it, man. You know, that's it. It's a great answer. I I don't know how I'm going to follow that up, Jolly, but I'm going to try my best to. Um, But I'll just be transparent with everybody on this call. I had some 
not I don't want to call them second guesses, but I think everybody may go may or not go through a point in their life and in their journey where they're maybe not so much questioning God, but mm-hmm. they need some some reassurance. So me, mm-hmm. I'm a very mm-hmm. practical person, and I like to go out and do the research and look up things myself to get um, you know confirmation or reaffirmation and things like that. So I'll say this through through my studies, there was a couple of things I found out, right? And the first one that I came across, and I was looking all this up, and this was probably about two years ago now, um, was there was an eclipse after Jesus's death. They said it was a period of darkness. That's in the Bible. So that was captured in the Bible. But there were other people that captured it. There were Greek historians and Roman historians who captured it and said there was an eclipse when there wasn't supposed to be an eclipse. An eclipse don't happen in the daytime. So that's two different Mm -hmm. classes or let me see, demographics of people during that period of time that captured this. Now, if you believe in Julius Caesar, which a lot of people do, they believe that the things he wrote and the things that were captured during that period are true. Why would you believe this portion of history that they that they captured? And there was also the same type of history dialogue captured by people of Asian descent, captured by Chinese people. They captured something in their history annals about an eclipse during a period of time when it wasn't supposed to be an eclipse. The same exact wow. type of description. There's no way in the world you got two different sets of people from different parts of the world would capture the same type of story. Okay. And the mm-hmm. second one, there was 500 people that went to their death believing in Jesus, 500 people, 500 people, not one, not two, but 500 people. So to back that up, there's even scripture, biblical evidence where Paul talks about, he talks about it in Corinthians, he talks about who Jesus appeared to after after his death. He appeared to, mm-hmm. um, I wanna say Peter, he appeared to James, and then he appeared to 500 Peter, and lastly appeared to Paul. Now, if Paul was lying about this, somebody would have called him out. Because if you do the history on it and you do the time, the way it adds up is this is well after Jesus's death when he wrote this, when he wrote it in Corinthians. Now, if Paul was writing this mm-hmm. letter and he was wrong, people would have called him out. People would have called him out and they were already after Paul's head because of because him being a Christian. So let me just read to you real quick, just the anecdotal evidence here in the Bible, though, because mm. I, I just want to include the scripture. The scripture says this. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive although some have fallen asleep then it appeared to james then to all the apostles last of all as to one untimely boy he, he appeared to me and that's paul so and yeah. the last thing really i, I want to say about this too when people question jesus existence when you talk about the beginning of something and the foundation of truth if the Bible is the truest of truth, the foundation of truth, and it's nothing before the Bible. How can there be something other than what is in the Bible? If the Bible is the, because they have a museum here in DC, it's the Museum of the Bible. And what that museum is basically saying is this is the first book, and everything comes after this book. It's the foundation of truth. So if that's the foundation of truth. Man, I don't know how I can, how anyone can really argue with that. So, that is anecdotal evidence to me that mm-hmm. you propose to somebody to back up any type of rebuttal that they have that Jesus didn't exist, man. So that's what I have as regards to that, man. Mm-hmm. 
Man, that's good. That's good. But mm. it's something that I that I learned. I, I didn't know this because I'm not a Muslim, but um, I got a good friend of mine here. Uh, he's a Muslim, and um, we we chat about you know uh, religion and our faith. You, you know, we we never we're never disrespectful uh, about each other's faith. But um, what he said was in the Quran they actually mentioned that there was it was Jesus. Um, they, he said that they don't see him as the Messiah, but they see him as a prophet. They see him as a prophet. Yeah, which you, you know that's another that's more evidence that there was Jesus. Right. Yep. Yep. Sir. Yeah. Listen, let, 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 uh, let me go ahead, you know, T. Before we go to the next question, man, this is the last part, and I think it's just as important as all the valuable information we just heard. And that is to remember that Jesus is looking at us. There's a magnifying glass on us every time we have an encounter like that. And to know Jesus is to be able to show somebody Jesus. To know him is to be able to show him. And that is a good thing to know. So when we're talking to somebody who wants to rise that up, and a lot of times people who don't believe, like you said, they, they want to come against you. They want to challenge you. They want to oppose what you think. And Jesus is looking, how would he do it? You got to imagine if Jesus is in that position. Do you look at yourself as him? Are we going to act in the fruits of the spirit? Can you respond when somebody's hostile to you in love and peace and joy and happiness? Of course, we need the knowledge. Like you guys said, a lot of fundamental things. But the way we have that conversation is what has the power to plant a seed. To plant a seed is everything and mm -hmm. with your gentleness with your kindness with the knowledge you have and the love somebody can see jesus in that that situation just a, just a, a perfect example i was at a job last year and i was talking to a guy who was exactly like that he wasn't a non-believer as a matter of fact he told me that he likes talking to people who believe because he can he can wear them up he knows how to trigger them he can start he can start a fire in them to get them all hot yeah we had a conversation and god has purposely been working on me on how i respond to those situations in peace in love and joy with the right words, with the right knowledge. And when I talked to him, when we finished, he was like, man, you know what? I really enjoyed this conversation because you didn't give me what I wanted. You know, really what he was saying was you, you kind of penetrated my being and there was a seed plant. I actually heard what you said because you weren't trying to go against me. So just remember, man, anytime in those situations, God is looking at us and how we respond, how we react and if we're acting like him. To know Jesus is to show Jesus. That's the last thing I got on that, man. Man, that's it. That's a good one, man. Listen, perfect, man. Well, let's let's segue to your question, T. Uh, what what's your first question that you have um, for us tonight? All right, first question I got is: uh, Should church be a fundamental part of a Christian's life, or is it something that we can go without? So, do you feel like as a Christian that we are obligated to go to church, or do you feel like you cannot go and still have the same faith, the same relationship with Christ? Anybody. I'm sorry, T. Can you can you repeat that question one more time? Sorry, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No problem. So as as Christians, should should a should church be a fundamental part of a Christian's life? Should that be an essential part of what we do, or is it something that we get to choose? Do you feel like being a Christian that we don't have to go to church because you have the knowledge, you have your personal relationship? Or is it, is it a fundamental part of something we should do? Well, I think it's I think it depends on on who you are. You know, some people you you don't you don't have to go to church 
to be saved and to be sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, if, if you're the type of person that you have two or three job shifts like some of us do, uh, some people like to do church at home. Some people like to do church online like we're doing right now. I mean, we can, we, we, can, we are the church. No, I mean, and Jesus mm -hmm. is the vine, and we are we are the branches. You know what I mean? And that's what and that's what the words say. So you know, we can have church in in our living room like we're doing right now. You know, so we don't have to go to church on Sunday morning to classify ourselves as uh, being Christian or saved and sanctified men. Now, I personally grew up in the church, and I and I have a tradition because that's what makes me whole. You know, I have to be around believers. I got to be around people who love God because I feel good when I can praise and worship God with other people, you know, and there are scriptures about that too. Now you might not be the type of person that want to be around a bunch of people. So, you know, that, that, that can be an understanding too. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you on fire for God and I'm on fire for God, somebody going to catch a spark somewhere. Come on, man. That, that, that's, just, that's just how that works. <laughs> that's just how that works, man. So, you know, like I'll go with you to the community club. I'll go with you to the rec center. I'll go with you mm -hmm. to now I made a party if you want to go. But at the end of the day, like we all did in college, Brent, TK, you guys know we went to church. Yes, you sir. know, we went to yeah. church. You know, the football team went to church and we had church on Sunday mornings in the in, in the um in, in the thing down there. In, in the right yeah. or wrong, man. We were yeah. we was in the field yeah. so we were in yeah. the chapel. So we wasn't necessarily at a church, but we went in there and Coach Hester had us read them scriptures. We went in there and we and, and we did some soul searching. So you don't have to be inside a church with a pastor in order to be classified as a Christian. So that to me, the answer is no. I do it because I'm a pastor now. You know, I'm a, I'm a minister of music. You know, so that's like my favorite place to be. But everybody mm -hmm. ain't like me. So you know, I mean, that's just that's just me as an individual. So anybody else? Good answer. <laughs> like a family feud there man good answer good answer man i so i agree with jolly uh i do think it's something that we have to take up with with god in some regards and the bible says do not forsake the assembly right so um what 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 is the assembly you know in in that case and then he said to peter uh he said on this rock i build my church right and peter was the rock um he was talking so like jolly said that the church is on the inside of us so we carry the church we are the church so if we're if we're fellowshipping and this is the assembly what we're doing right now that we're not forsaking the assembly um but the Bible also says it's not good for man to be alone. Like, I, I think at some point we have to congregate and be with like believers and, and that congregation could be the church. I, I think that there is a religious stigma yeah. as to what church is, right? A steeple. It's got to be an organ in there. It's got to be, you know, a choir with robes. I mean, so I, I think the stigma and the religious aspect of church is lost on a lot of people. And some people mm -hmm. are turned away from that assembly because of an experience they've had or you know, maybe they see me going to church and they say, man, well, Brent was at the club last night. I don't want to go to this. Why would I go to that church with somebody like him? You know, and whatever the case may be. So I, I think we as Christians deter other Christians, you know, because of our lifestyle from coming to church. But I also think that we as Christians are, are, are judging others 
and that's keeping us from i mean from assembling together um you know i, I we talked about it that video that I, I sent you and i think i may have sent it to somebody else but um Remember, I sent to the whole group. I'm not sure, but it, it was a pastor talking about people not coming to church, and he was saying it's the same thing as a like a coming to a workout gym, right? Like like people make fun of somebody in the gym who's overweight. But like yeah, if they're overweight, like why are they in this gym? They overweight. They don't need to be in here, and they barely walk on that treadmill. But you think, but that's the person that needs to be in there. And you look at somebody who is physically fit and tip top shape and you're looking at him like, man, he already got it. Why he's still in here, you know, because everybody has their own walk and, and, you know, everybody, the Christian who was at the club every night and then coming the next day, you know, until they figure it out, you know, we got to open the doors to them. And he had said something and he's way more eloquent with his words than I am, man. But um, it was a good analogy to say like, listen, everybody, in all walks of life need at some point to be in that assembly because like you were saying jolly i, I think that fellowship does something for us and yes. you know just just worshiping with other people I, I think that kind of brings something out of us um so I, but i do think church can be where we make it um but it doesn't necessarily have to be the four walls that you know we people on it at but if, if it takes that then it takes that you know we gotta seek and see where we need to be Good stuff, man. Good stuff, man. Anybody else? Well, listen, man. Uh, Jolly, man, I'm glad you opened this up um, because I, I agree. Uh, and I would say it like this I think church is mandatory. God emphasizes that it's an important part of what we need to do, unless the circumstances you stated. So if you're not in church uh, where God wants us for, for the fellowship, it's the fellowship. Uh, there has to be means of worship and fellowship and praise to God. There has to be a devotional group or there has to be time where you're gathering. Jolly just said, I have to be around people like me to feed this spirit. So we have to be in fellowship with each other. Fellowship is the word. When we go to church, the fellowship, the iron sharpening iron, to be encouraged. Do not. I think that is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Uh, it says, and let us... And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good work, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but mm -hmm. exhorting one another. Yeah. So, so don't forsake the assembly. We need to gather. We need to come together. So we're not in a church somewhere. If you don't have a consistent church, there has to be some type of consistent fellowship or consistent worship, praise, worship, and fellowship. And a lot of us, if you're not in church, nine times out of 10, we don't even have that. So, uh, if you're strong enough, if you're strong enough, you do enough outside to feed your spirit. You have spiritual groups, spiritual leadership, spiritual brothers, spiritual students, uh, uh, sisters. You have counsel that's over you, that's helping you make your decisions. Things like that, I think it's good to not, um, you, you cannot go to church, but church is mandatory if you ask me also. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 also says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's what we do in church. That is praise and worship. So he's telling you here, praise and worship is what we should do. And that is why we should gather in churches. If we're not in a church on Sunday, we need to find ways to seek this. A devotional group midweek, a Bible study midweek, brothers that you can talk to, spiritual conversations. So there has to be that fellowship. The last scripture I have for you is um, 1 Timothy, verse 4. Um, 
chapter 13, excuse me, first, first, first Timothy chapter four, verse 13. And it says, till I come, give attention to reading and exhortation and to doctrine. And there's another version I like to read better. And it says, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. That is what we do in the synagogue. That is what we do in the four wall structure. So if we're not in a four wall structure, we need to constantly have ourselves around some type of teaching, some type of song, some type of praise, some type of worship. We have to indulge in fellowship with the word. That's what Jolly said at the very beginning. So it can go either way. If you're strong enough, I feel like if you're strong enough and you have enough foundation and support system and fellowship, church is not obligated. But if not, it is obligated to go there. So you can hear the voice of God and you have that type of fellowship. Yes, sir. I like that scripture there, man. I appreciate you throwing that at us. Um, good stuff, man. Well, it's a mail, man. Back to you. Back to you. You had another question, man. Uh, what you got for us? Yeah, what was my second question that I had? Okay, I got it. Uh, my second question that I had was secular music. What are you guys' thoughts regarding Christians listening to secular music? I know that is always a point of contention for Christians and those that are that call Christians hypocrites. So I'll open up the floor for dialogue here. What you guys' opinion? Should Christians be indulging in listening to a ton of secular music or should that be something they should stare clear from um in their walk with god so i'll let you guys um provide some answers well i, I can tell you right now uh two <laughs> scriptures come to mind when i think about that question the one is when i was a child i spoke as a child and when i became an adult, <laughs> I the so you know we all listen to tupac we all listen to biggie we all listen to jay-z we listen to kanye all that stuff coming up you know and it was hot you know nelly and you know but my point is you know we were young we were ignorant we were some of us was non-intelligent not really knowing uh what type of spiritual warfare that that music was was shaping you know what i mean so now we're old enough to know what type of damage that that type of music can do however because i'm a band director now i'm a musician so you know uh however I'm a, i was a major music at Catawba, so however you know in respect of those people you know the bible also says judge ye, ye be not judged so i can't judge tk because you like to listen to tupac before he go to sleep because <laughs> tupac might be the reason that he that he got his mind together where it is right now Tupac might be TK right, role model. right, right. It might be his role model. He 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 might want to want to be a rapper. I, I I'm a, I'm a teacher, you know. So I got kids in my classroom telling me that they want to be a rapper. They want to be like Tupac. They want to be like Biggie. So I'm not gonna say, well, you guys should listen to secular music because you're a sinner. You know, I would be judging my kids and just like this um the LGBT LGBTQ stuff. You know, you can't put your idealism on young folks. You got to let people learn on their own and let the Holy Ghost deal with them and what they're dealing with. All right. We cannot put ideals on younger people and we cannot judge one another. So, you know, 
I listen to rap music when I'm working out. I work out every day. But at the end of the day, I got instrumentals. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't let that stuff corrode my mind to the point where it controls me because I'm not a child. I'm not I'm not a teenager though. So you know, it it can it helps me boost my adrenaline. But TK I tell you, in my car, it's gonna be some gospel play. All in my day. bedroom, it's gonna be some gospel play. In my classroom at school, it's gonna be some gospel play. So you know, you 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 gotta meet people where they are, man, in order to meet their needs. If you like Jay-Z, we're gonna roll with Jay-Z today. And if I can get you to come to church on Sunday, then we're gonna roll with Jay-Z today. If you like Tupac, then we're gonna roll with Tupac today. If you can come with me to Bible study tonight, we're gonna roll with Tupac today. Because you gotta meet, you gotta meet people where they are. Yeah, that's a pretty good perspective yeah. right there, John. Yeah, pretty good perspective, man. Good. Bad this mm. around, that's pretty good. Anybody else? Let me say something on that. A big beast. Uh, you got? I, I I definitely agree with Jolly said, and I feel like also with some of the different uh, music out here, it actually can can motivate you. It can actually, it can, and also can hurt you. That, like, like you said, it depends on the development of your mind, and and I feel like your age and your understanding and what you're listening to. So, it, it, it can be fifty fifty, or it could not be fifty fifty. But it depends on your maturity and what are you listening to. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> Good man. Yeah. Let, <laughs> hey, let, let, let me say this real quick before I hope I'm not cutting my off before we jump off of this one. Um, th th this is a good one. It always opens up a good debate. But for me, um, you know, where my mind always goes, it always goes to that famous scripture I always heard in the back of my mind growing up. Abstain from things that are that are of this world, right? As a Christian, you're supposed to set yourself apart and um, supposed to show that you're different, right? And if that means um, staying away from secular music, do so. Um, but more importantly, we have to be mindful that the devil uses any mechanism or any weapon he can to infiltrate uh, our minds, our spirit, and our and our body. And one of those mechanisms is. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, we can say what we want to say, but one of them is music. And I have seen firsthand people's personality change, people's uh, how they act, how they talk through music. And let's not make a mistake about it. And the 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 secular music industry is ran and orchestrated by the devil. So if you have a music industry that's ran and orchestrated by the devil, what do you think their goal is, right? The music today that I hear, it just keeps getting more and more vile, more and more nasty, more and more vulgar than I've ever heard it before. And that goes back to what I just said. The music industry, no matter what people can say, it is ran by the devil based on what is put out there right now and there are some good songs i'm not saying that there are not good songs out there but 
if you listen to those songs and you then you fill your mind up with that slowly but surely association leads to assimilation right so the more mm -hmm. stuff you start to fill your mind up with those are the type of things you begin to become you start believing those things you start believing in your mind and you start believing in your heart and you start to act upon those things right so that's just where i have to go with it and when you go back to the history of how this all started what got the devil kicked out of heaven right come on when, was he in charge of music or something in heaven yeah. right mm -hmm. okay right. right they call him the shining one right lucid lucifer what got him kicked out of heaven right there could only be one god mm -hmm. so he thought he was the man he thought he could control the music he wanted the lights on him during the music when they were praising god so that's where I go with it. And the devil uses any mechanism he can. That, that's why there's a verse out there for it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know, I'm not going to let music be a weapon, something that can be weaponized against me. So I can go out here and act out of character. I mean, we've all been there, been in the club. We've seen how that music act. I, I know we remember that song. What was it? Nuck if you buck, man. You know any fights broke out? Nuck if you buck, man. Yeah. That that. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying that's 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 what music does to you that's yes. unlike right. we have we have to be careful on what we're filling our minds up with man mm -hmm. because slowly but surely it will infiltrate your mind and a part of your mind you thought was protected slowly begins to deteriorate you know so mm -hmm. and that's that's where you know um i'm coming from there so Petey, let me follow you yeah. up on that. I agree 100% what you said, because that is truth right there. I also want to follow up Jolly, because Jolly, the perspective you brought was beautiful also, man. I think that by any means, we need to win a soul, we need to win a soul. So, it, 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 like Jolly said, if you got to get that kid to Bible school by letting him play that bull crap, let him play it, because your spirit's strong enough. But our end goal should be to show people what this does because there's frequencies in this music it's just not the music it's the vibrations through the songs like these bass lines and things they come from that that world you know a lot of things penetrate your mm -hmm. spirit you don't understand why you're sitting like like you're worshiping the devil and not even knowing it. you're sitting on the song you heard three days ago before that you can't get it out of your head that's a form of worship and you're not worshiping the god of heaven you're worshiping the god of this world it controls it consumes you and hit our, our gateways like we're supposed to guard our soul and when you let anything penetrate your soul, any type, of, you don't know what kind of demons we're letting come into us and control us. And then we wonder why we can't change habits. You know, if you're trying to stop cursing, well, if that's all you're listening to, it's going to be very challenging to do that. You know, I mean, so I think our goal should be to to inspire people to see what Petey just said, to see that and to find a way to inspire them to, you know, to turn from that, you know, because it's just evil. It's getting way, way, way more evil than it's ever been. Um, we're at a time right now where it's an all-time high, man, and, and the devil ain't hiding his hand no more. This music is directly no. from him. It, it is directly from him, and we pound it, and it's the beats that we get associated with, and we can't get these rhythms and things out of our head, and you're wondering why you're praying to God, but there's no breakthrough, because you got a legions of demons attached to you from what is penetrating your very being, and we're not shutting that off. That's a gateway that we can close down, so you might start fasting and praying and start going to church and seeking and paying your tithes and doing everything, looking for a breakthrough. But God is saying, hey, you're not even guarding yourself. It's that thing right there. You're letting thousands of legions right there access your very being. So all of that stuff right there is not even working because of that one thing. You know, so it's important for us to learn to 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 have these conversations and do what Jolly did. If I got to win a soul over by letting him do it, 
my goal is to plant seeds enough to have that guy to think differently. Um, so secular music, I, I feel like we should turn from it, but we need to be gentle in the approach of showing that to people like Jolly. Mm-hmm. I really like that respect. We need to be very gentle and find a good way to show somebody to draw this picture. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I think those are. I'd be, I'd be proud, man. I'm just, like my, like I know, I know the music I listened to when I grew up, man. And, you know, the, 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 hear my, hear my kids singing like gospel music, or you know, calling Jesus' name, or or, or uh, listening to KB or Lecrae or Andy Minio. I, I, you know, I. I feel good about that, and then I, you know, listening to some girl throwing it in a circle. You feel what I'm saying? Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you, know, you see these kids wow. in the street wow. talking about, yeah, wow, oh, stuff, Like when they, when the kids come, when my kids come home, and they tell me about the kids at camp, and it's so vulgar the way they be talking, and they, they and my kids are like, Dad, you should hear these kids say this, say that. And I'm like, you know, watch, watch how those kids grow up and you're going to see where their life go. And then you're going to see where your life go. You know? Mm-hmm. Man. Listen, last thing, man, the upside to listen to gospel music is God will always give you a song. He'll always give you a word. He can always speak to you, you know. And, and there's always something there positive to speak to. I mean, there's no better feeling than catch yourself singing to God. You know, I mean, that's a true form of worship. We all need to get there, man, rather than catching yourself to, I don't even know these little baby, new baby, big baby, small baby is a thousand babies now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we recite we recite those lyrics, you know, but the substance is in the scripture. Like yeah. the song, songs are scripture. So that's another form of, of worshiping God and learning his word, worshiping them songs. A lot of times when we're singing it, we're literally saying scriptures to God. So you're teaching yourself and it's, you get more from that. Like th- th- there's benefits from that. You get n- absolutely nothing from secular music right. besides adrenaline and a feeling. And usually that feeling probably ain't even what you think it is. So uh, there's benefits to, to to changing over and trying to listen to gospel. God can speak to you at any time in the midst of your need. He will bring that song with the right scripture to let you mm-hmm. know he's talking. To you. And you can hear mm-hmm. God's voice through songs like in the midst of a trial. It'll just come to you in the words. You'll be like, oh, my goodness. It's, it's no coincidence. God is literally talking to you. So that's, an, that's another form of communication to me also. Worshiping God, he can pour right back mm-hmm. into you because it's in you. That's what's inside yes, of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you sir. feel yourself with God's inside of you. You feel yourself with that bull. How can you expect to hear God's voice? Boy, you don't know how many times I, I was in SR mm-hmm. just listening to Mary Mary. I can't give up now. You know what I mean? And it just it just brought me through. Like my freshman year, bro, that song really brought me through. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's good stuff. Miss Johnson, man, I saw you you were saying a few things. Go ahead. All right. I was trying to. So my question would be to piggyback off what I think Mel said was define secular music, because Brent and I was talking about this earlier. So anything, I guess, that's not of God or not of worship, is that considered secular music? Because I feel like, in my opinion, there are different levels of secular music. Like, I don't know, I was talking to Brent earlier, like, for instance, is a Whitney Houston song comparable to 
milk if you book. Like, I mean, is that considered <laughs> secular, I guess? All right. That is. Like, I love like Motown, like Motown and like Mark Carey and like all the old school night artists before. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, is that considered secular? I guess it is. I would say anything, anything that's not, not exonifying God would be secular. You know, there's different levels to it. As you just said, yeah. levels. Uh, you can listen to like, uh, like you just said, uh, Whitney Houston, some song or a love song, or you might even try to say some of these, uh, um, what are country songs, which are mainly about love or whatever. You'd be like, well, that's not this, you know, but it's not pleasing to God. It's not exonifying God. And really it can't feed my spirit anyway. That song can't benefit me. It can't grow me. It can't motivate me. It can't lift me out of a hole. It can't speak to me. It can't encourage me. So even though it's not bad, I need something that's going to have substance at all times that can feed me. When I'm riding in my car, I might hear, I listen to gospel so much that I hear these songs over and 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 over. But every single time, God can do something different. He can speak to me every single time. A different mm -hmm. way to motivate you, to uplift you. It's like there's something behind that. So I'm not necessarily saying there's nothing wrong with listening to it, but we need to guard. We need to guard. We need to do a very a better job of guarding what we penetrate, what we allow, and the amount that we do that in. You know, I don't think there's nothing wrong with listening to it if you got control, if you're aware of what's penetrating you. If you're aware, when I hear songs, there's certain things I could just like a movie. I could turn the movie on and I know when to turn it off. My discernment is at an all-time high. Same thing with music, man. Some stuff I just don't even care to hear. If it's a good song, you might like it, but the, the bottom line is, does it exonify God? Is it pleasing to God? And is your spirit in tune with God so much so? that that is all you want. How much do you want him? How much do you want him? And that, that is a, be separate. Be separate, man. And when you find yourself only listening and going one way, you're kind of separating yourself, you know? And not that you can't listen to certain things, but we need to do a better job of guarding our spirits and what we let penetrate our ears uh, with music, especially secular. Yeah. I like it, man. Hey, th those are, um, I mean, that's definitely like, like you said, Mel, at the very beginning, I think that's a, um, one that I think as Christians, whether it's new Christians, you know, seasoned Christians, I mean, we all, you know, we're pulled from, from something in life. And I think that that gravitation toward a, a past experience or, or whatever it is, uh, I think we gotta, you know, we, we seek and we pray about, like, okay, is this something? um that i should not be a part of this is something i shouldn't be listening to you know and i i know more so recently they go back and listen to songs that we listened to in the 90s and you're like man oh that song meant that i didn't know it meant that you know and because we were you know 12 15 years old not thinking what it really meant and some of those songs had some um innuendos in it that we didn't attach to it and we were singing it because we liked you know, the song or the lyrics or whatever. And they were saying a whole nother something, you know, so we got to be careful with that. I agree. But I, I think that's definitely something that God can, um, you know, convict us in the right time, in the right season. Of. But uh, I agree with what you said, man. I think music is used way more than we realize. Um, you know, there's a video, The Real Truth About Hip Hop, that I watched a while ago, man. I'm not going to get into it, man, but it talks so much about you know, music and the things that were used and passed throughout music um, that, that you, you just don't hear. Um, so anyway, so yeah, let's, uh, 
Hey, before we move yeah, on, one more question, I believe, man. Go yeah, ahead. Somebody, somebody had their hand up. Oh, go for it. God is good. Somebody trying to join the call. Who is that? God is good. Remain. Yes, sir. Remain. Yes, sir. He may have. Uh... I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be peace and be still. But I, I think I agree with all of you all. But um, it just um, just the movement. It is the safeguarding that I'm learning as well too, because I feel. Uh, from a personal perspective of where I am in my journey and my walk, um, when you're trying to find yourself to find uplifting, encouraging music and gospel music, I've, I've come to understand that the enemy is moving at a highly rate right now. And as Terrence said, um, he has moved his way into the gospel industry. When you think of individuals dropping the name of God um, and it's become very sensualized to where it is. Um, causing young men and women to um no matter where they go to get any type of form of uplifting uh, music it is causing them to engage in activities which is causing us to continue to fall in and fall away which makes us we feel like as parents like we're failing them because we're feeling like we're we're safeguarding too much and we're not giving them room to grow um but as you all have just mentioned it has made its way into uh the gospel industry without you know blasphemy or coming against anyone's name in particular because we all fall down so our job is to try to encourage one another but we do have to do our best even uh, as you all said putting any type of music into our body because that's what the enemy's um uh, his gift was and so therefore he knows no boundaries um to in this season in our lives that uh Ooh, he's going he's going for one. everything he's going for everything or she hit whatever it is is going for everything. He knows no bounds, man. That's a good one there. Yes, he'll he'll use and abuse anybody. Yes, sir. That's wow. Real. Man. Good stuff, man. Appreciate that. That insight there. Because he has leaked into the gospel artist as well man so uh last question we have for the night man and we'll close it with this one too do you have one more do yeah you have i got one to end more. on yeah i got one we can end and on we'll, hopefully we'll try to hit that one and get off in the next little bit man i don't want to hold us golly man b you, you ended that last one <laughs> on something heavy because listen man it is penetrating the, the golf world right now we need to be aware of that we'll talk about that later man so last question we yeah. have is once saved, always saved. I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with that saying. There's a lot of Christians who believe this. There's a lot of spiritual leaders now and prophets who are online and on social media promoting once saved, always saved, uh, which in my opinion is the biggest deception ever. So I want to know what you guys feel about once saved, always saved. Once you give your life to Christ, once we're born again, and we know the five-step process is believing, confessing, receiving, repenting, and confessing him before others. Once you are born again, um, that means you're saved forever by God's grace, or can you fall uh, from sin after that? Mm. Well, I, so my first thought there is, so we're, we're in a covenant relationship with Christ once we are saved. And, you know, uh, it's the same. So the covenant relationship I have in, in marriage, once married, always married. 
you know, am I married for the rest of my life? Even though I do or act or do all kinds of things against the vows I made, am I always going to be married? Or is that going to be subject to my how I behave once that covenant is reached? Um, yeah, I think good. there's a point in our salvation to where we have to realize, like, listen, there's a covenant and there's a relationship and there's a commitment that I have made. And if I break those vows, you know, obviously repentance is there. Uh, but at some point, you know, we, we hear it all the time, you know, uh, Jesus is married to the backslider. And so it comes to the point to where we, we have to be mindful that there's a, there's a need for repentance. And, mm-hmm. um, and the blood was shed for the remittance of sin, man. So, so we are neglecting the bloodshed. We're, we're, we're you know, we're neglecting the fact that he went to the cross and did that the remission of our sins so i i think once saved i think you have an access but i think once i, I think salvation can be um you know i think salvation can be in question for our behavior you know um so i, I don't i that you know again i can't answer that question you know if, if you're saved it that mean you automatically make it to the pearly gates and you just got to stay you know right down the other side of the gate or what i don't know but I, I know that it's, you know, there's a redemptive portion in scripture and it talks about the need for repentance. Um, so, but I think the covenant relationship, if that covenant is broken, you know, where do I land? You know, so it's a great question though, man. Good stuff. Man. Good stuff. I like that, that marriage translation right there. That was, that was, that was pretty good right there. Anybody else? Yeah, I feel like I've been talking a lot tonight, but I have, like it, Mel. Yes, sir. I have answers. Well, don't have answers, but I do have some commentary for all these questions, man. This right here is a, a loaded question, TK, and there's so much in this question um, as, as far as um, answers, and it can go a lot of ways. So. The first thing I want to talk about, I, I, I think we'd be remiss if we don't touch on the fact of, of God's grace, right? Um, his grace is sufficient. Um, it's everlasting. It's always and forever. I think that's one thing we have to be mindful of, right? And, you know, if we do, if we are saved, we do have God's grace, right? And I was watching... Uh, interview. I don't know if you guys remember this brother, but he had a group a couple years ago. I don't want to give reverence to the name of the group, but I'm pretty sure if I say the name, you guys know the name of the group. But Project Pratt, I don't know if you guys know him, but I bet he's saved. He's a Christian now, right? And he said he was sitting mm-hmm. in his house. He was high. He said he was high, high, right? And he said, God, I'm saved. I don't know what to do. And man, he said, I still love smoking. I still love drinking. I still love these women. I still love doing all these things. And he said, God spoke to him and said, man, um, he said, you, you, you have my grace. Your grace is sufficient. Not 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 saying he didn't say that meant for him to keep doing what he was doing, but God's grace is what's going to sustain him and refine him over time. So we have to make sure that we understand what God what God's grace is and how to stay within God's grace and how to make sure that we can continue continue to keep the Holy Spirit that can dwell within with dwell within us so that He can refine us. God can't refine us and he can't work with us if we're not letting that Holy Spirit dwell within us. So that's what I want to say. But um, I also want to say this, too, because I think this is this is very important, too, as it relates to that. 
you just you you, you can't go out and do whatever you want to do um, just because you're a Christian. If you look through the if you look through the history of the Bible, if you look through the history of mankind, and I'm not trying to scare anyone when it comes to death, but I, I have to say this: God has to separate the righteous from the unjust. If you look at if you look through the history of the Bible, if you look through the history of mankind on this earth, if you look through wars, you know, and just look at practical stuff in modern history since we've been living. But if you go back to the history of the Bible, if you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, if you look at the different things, how God allowed certain demographics of people, certain things to be destroyed, and he allowed his people to rise up above that. It was a reason for that. God has to separate the righteous from the unjust. He, he has to do that, you know, because the Holy Spirit can't dwell with evil. He just, he just can't. So I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just, just trying to be, be real. I'm not saying that he, he's going to leave you. He's going to forsake you. He is long-suffering. God is long-suffering, but at some point, he had to separate the righteous from the unjust, no matter whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, you're a believer or not. If you're not believing, if you're not acting in a way that's holy and according to him, I believe he will separate the righteous from the unjust. And I think that's in the Bible. But there is concrete evidence in the Bible. So if you go to Corinthians, if you go to Corinthians, Corinthians, um, I forget what chapter it is. Chapter three, as a matter of fact. It's a verse in there, and I'm gonna find it real quick. And it's almost where Paul is talking about when you, when it's all said and done, when you stand before Jesus, when you stand before Him in the throne room, you're gonna have your life played upon you almost like a film, almost movie, right? You'll be transformed almost like you'll go through a, a, a proverbial fire. And this is true. Everything that you've done in your life, He's gonna think, what have you done with your time? You know, your treasures and your talents, right? And it's here, right here. He said, and this, this is real cool. Check this out. He said, every man's work shall be made manifest. That's everything you've done, right? That That's you in the film room. That, that's what you're going to be watching in, in this throne room. When you go into that throne room, every man's work shall be made uh, manifest. For the day shall declare it. That's, that's your death. The day shall declare it. Because it, it shall be revealed by fire. It shall be revealed yes. by fire telling you right there. It's going to be revealed. It's going to be right, right in front of you, right? Almost like a big flame. So it what is fire illumination right it's a light right and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is so every work everything you did is going to be right there right then he goes further on to say this if any man's work abide which he has built thereupon he shall receive a reward if any man's work shall be born shall be shall be burned he shall suffer a loss but he himself shall be saved yet yet so as by fire so not to scare anyone but to say you will be judged for your works, you will have those works revealed to you what you've done, good, bad, or indifferent, um, once you get to that throne room. So just keep that in mind, man, if you're a believer. Pete, mm -hmm. thank you, sir. That, hallelujah, man. That was just good for me, man. But that is good, and, and it's not fear. You know, we got to come into the understanding, and, and that, that should become a reverence for God. We should have the fear of God, and that's what that should become, man. Let me just say this this right here. Um, first off, God's grace and mercy is not to be abused or played with. His grace and mercy is not to be abused or played with. Secondly, no sin will ever enter heaven. No sin will ever enter heaven. There's multiple scriptures that show you this. Sin can't enter there. It's going to be burned up. So to teach this doctrine, that once saved, always saved is a deception of the enemy. 
because no sin will enter heaven. And to teach somebody that is telling them that I can be saved and I can continue on living in the sin and continuing on living in the sin, knowing you're doing it because of grace is what sin, that is the true definition of sin, is knowingly knowing you're doing that thing. So so that is the biggest deception ever. That That, that is the biggest deception ever to, to, to feel like that because I'm saved, I have grace and mercy, I'm good. Now I can continue on living. Living holy is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle of change. It is a constant refinement of us getting better and better and things falling off every day, not us going back into that sin. You know, we're not supposed to go backwards into that. So um, we, we need to get to the point where we can turn. We can turn from these things and understand what God's grace and mercy is and, and use it for what it's worth. God looks at our hearts. He looks at the motive and the intentions on what we're doing while we're doing it. So if you have it in your heart that you know what I'm saved and God is going to forgive me so I can go do this thing. He sees that. That is what's going to be in, in that throne room. That's what Petey was just talking about. And he's going to show that to you. You had in your heart that you can live like this after I saved you, that you can keep going. When I told you through all these scriptures that no sin will enter heaven, you know, no sin, not that my grace and mercy isn't sufficient. That, that it, your efforts, if you're trying your hardest to turn from a sin, God may extend that grace and mercy to you. But when you have it in your heart that you know what, I'm okay because of grace and mercy, that is willful sin that will send you straight to hell. So that doctrine is a false doctrine in my heart. And I just know that the Bible teaches that. So we should never feel like because we're saved, I think that is a, there can't be a comfort level because none of us, man, none of us should feel like we're worthy to make it in that perfect place. It's a work. There should be a constant mm -hmm. work, a constant effort, a constant trying to say, I got to make it. I'm not good enough. If, if, if you stop cursing, if you stop drinking, if you stop fornicating, if you stop living, if you start to stop your attitude, if everything that you've done bad about yourself, you felt fell off and you was living as holy as you could, something in you should always say, you know what, I'm not there yet. It's not good enough. That is the longing for heaven because when you feel like you're good enough is when you're deceived. And the deception is feeling like that we're covered by grace and mercy and we can continue into sin. So in my opinion, once saved and always saved is a false doctrine. We need to strive for the rest of our life with a lifestyle of trying to be better, trying to live better. So when we stand in that throne room, he just talked about our works won't be burned up, you know, and, 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 and we won't be condemned from the things we did and the decisions we made. And God is going to show you the willful choices you made because you felt you was covered. So um, my prayer is that we can see that and, and, and never feel that we're saved by God's grace and that's good enough. His grace is sufficient, but it's your efforts and it's your lifetime, your lifestyle, and it's your constant, constant, constant efforts of trying to be better and trying to be refined that will save us in the end, in my opinion. Mm. All I just want to say is your commitment to God. You know what I'm saying? All about your approach and you, you being committed to him, what you going to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a lifestyle, man. Living holy, this holding this thing is a choice and it's a lifestyle. You know? And the minute that we feel, get a comfort level or feel like we got a pass or we can slide through, that is the devil slid in through the back door. And has our eyes closed mm -hmm. deception. Be ye not deceived. And deception is going to increase from this day going forward because the rapture is um, it's near, it's so near, man. 
of Jesus is coming. And and he has he wants so bad for his children to know and to not be deceived and not to fall into this. Uh, once saved, always saved. We're never good enough. No matter how good we are, no matter what falls off, we're not good enough. We, we need to pray to be found worthy to escape the things that are to come. The Bible says that. So mm. that's be our lifestyle, our lifestyle of effort, our lifestyle of trying and never becoming complacent or comfortable in sin. There's no excuse. There's no way around it. God clearly says it over and over. Who will not inherit the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And it's always sin. It's sinners and every sin is attached to you. So uh, once saved and once saved, always saved. False doctrine. Doctrine. I like it, man. Well, good, man. Listen, I, I, I appreciate the candor. I appreciate the responses that, that you guys jumped in with. Uh, I, I think, you know, our, our goal is always to shed light on whatever we, whatever we need to do, whatever we, we can do. Um, to shed light on the gospel, man. And, and this conversation like this, they can clear up some misconceptions or can help us turn from whatever it is. Um, it's perfect and it's and it's worth having. So I appreciate y'all jumping in and having that tea and mail. Appreciate the questions for tonight. Um, does anyone have anything, any last comments or anything they want to say uh, before we close it out tonight? Yeah, I would just like to end, man. I hope everyone got something out of this dialogue, man, and able to take something back and use it and apply it in their everyday walk because we're going to get hit with questions about our faith. The more and more uh, we dive deeper into this and the more and more people start to see us walk differently, act differently, mm -hmm. talk differently. They're going to question us, right? And we it's going to be us to make sure that we did our homework to make sure that um, we had the right answers. And we can talk and we can present ourselves in a way that is not hypocritical, but it says, hey, man, I want to be like that person, man. That person got something I want. He got something I got. You know, where'd you get that from, man? Where'd you get, where'd you get that joy? Where'd you get that peace from? You know, that old song say, this joy that I have in the world and give it and the world can't take it away, man. So, uh, just keep that in mind. Take it away. Good stuff. Well, T man, do you mind closing us out tonight? Man, no problem at all. No problem at all. Before we close, man, uh, I think Brent mentioned early on. If anyone has prayer requests, you can email us at our fourth and gold ministries. Uh, what's the email? B is it? at gmail.com, fourth and gold ministries at gmail, right? Yeah, fourth and gold ministries at gmail.com. Yeah. Gmail.com. Email those in. But right now, if anybody on this call has prayer requests, please make them be known so we can pray for you. We love to pray for each other. It's what we're supposed to do. And we really do it. So don't be shy. Uh don't let the devil withhold it. Put it on the table so we can cover you up. Yeah, please please smooth into uh, the work week for me, man. Go ahead, beat, uh, boot. Please, sorry. Please continue to pray for Mr. William, my neighbor. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, his, his wife's still going through it. He's, you know, he's lonely. Um, you know, they've been together for fifty plus years. So, you know, just mm. please, just keep him in the in the prayer. Sure. Sure. 
I just got um my boss. He told me he was diagnosed with cancer today. So y'all, y'all pray for him, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real. You guys just keep me covered in my faith, man. I'm trying to do right, and the enemy is attacking, man. So I want to withstand uh, these evil darts of the enemy. So pray for my strength. Yes, sir. Is that all? <clears throat> um, I also like to ask for prayer for uh, myself and many others um, uh, to be free of the spirit of offense. That um, I think this topic of discussion touches on that because it seems like our journey is maybe offending other people who may not um, believe as we do. But finding myself on my journey, trying to deeper discover my walk with Christ. Uh, to just be free from the spirit of offense, whether it be from others or self-imposed by myself of condemnation. What a good thing there. Spirit of offense. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm. All right. All right, man. Well, listen, if, if that's all, is there anybody else? All right, well, look, man, let, let, let's take it to the throne and we'll get out of here. We'll pray. But listen, man, just, just do us one favor, please. When you please say these prayers at night, will you please try to remember who just called it out and just take them before the throne? Your prayer might be the very one that God listens to. So if you'll do that much, we'll be pleased. All right, let's go to the throne real quick, guys. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you, Father, for another day, another opportunity to join together in fellowship, Father God. We are not forsaking the assembly, so we thank you for Fourth and Gold Ministry, where you gave us a platform to fellowship, to come together, iron sharpening irons, and learn to bring clarity and understanding of your word to each other. We thank you for this beautiful dialogue, Father God, and we pray somehow that a seed was planted in the hearts for us to have better understanding of who you are. We desire your understanding, Father God, not ours. We don't want to go off our feelings, our own understanding standing father god or our own opinions we want to go off of your word and your doctrine and what you think about things so we pray that you change the way we think of things and identify it with you reveal mm-hmm. to us what it is you want us to know in every situation every question that we ask tonight we pray that you bring crystal clear clarity for us to understand what it is you desire with the secular music father god with the church father god with whatever it is that we ask we pray that you bring understanding and revelation for us to be better grow closer to you and more intimate father we pray that you honor these prayer requests tonight father god I pray that you strengthen Brent right now, Father God, through his work we We understand, Father God, that you can provide the strength. I pray that you be with him, encourage him, uplift him all through the week, and give him opportunity to minister. Open his mind and his heart to go out in the midst of his needing and wanting strength. I pray that you use him to pour into people as you do, Father God. I pray right now that you'll touch William and be here, Jehovah Rapha, Father God, that you'll heal him right now, that you'll touch Mel's boss, Father God, and deliver him of cancer, Father God, that you'll strengthen me right now, and that you'll bring Tremaine the clarity that he desires in his heart, Father God, that you'll show him that it is you that speaks to him, Father God, that you'll, you'll take away that offense. Make yourself clear, make your word clear to him understand it, Father. We desire intimacy with you. We understand that you are all things. You are I am. You are a healer. You are a restorer. You are strength when we need it, Father God. You're a door that can be open. You're the job, Father God. You're the way, man. You're whatever we need. So we're calling on you to be that right now in every situation. 
for you to uplift us and open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to seek you in a different way, just to grow, to grow, Father God, to grow closer, to have intimacy, to have, to have intimacy. So when we stand before you in that throne room, Father God, our good works will not be burned up with fire. We don't want them to be burned up, Father God. So deliver us, set us free, continue to give us more devotion and let us to come together in fellowship. And we pray that every time we fellowship, Father God, that your presence is here, that you will continue to be here and that you'll minister and you do the work. You plant the seeds, encourage us to pray and live different. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. We ask all of these things. Amen, amen. In Jesus' name, amen.